0: Welcome to the Colonial Hills Podcast, a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church. We're opening our Bibles this morning, please, to the Gospel of John and the 12th chapter, John chapter 12. John chapter 12, we'll begin our reading in the 34th verse, John chapter 12, beginning in verse 32, rather, John 12, beginning in verse 32. John chapter 12, beginning in verse 32. And if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. And the people answered him, We've heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever, and how sayest thou the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? And Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. The saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed are reported, to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes and understand with their heart and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaias when he saw his glory and spake of him. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of, God more than the praise, the praise of men rather more than the praise of God. Jesus cried and said He that believeth on me believeth not on me but on him that sent me. He that seeth me seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. If any man hear my words and believe not I judge him not for I came not to judge the world but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken the same shall judge him in the last days. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say, what I should speak. I know that his commandment is life everlasting, whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. I'd like to focus on these verses this morning as we discover a group of people in this passage who are blind to the light, and we pray that that would not happen to anyone who's assembled with us here today. Father, I pray that you'd use your word today to help us to understand the blessing of salvation, that we would do what your word has commanded us to examine our own hearts to see that we be in the faith. And Lord, that you would challenge each of us not to be silent disciples, but to be sharing the blessed light of the gospel with others, living in light of the word that's been given and living in light of your coming. For it's in Christ's name we pray, Amen. Forty-five years ago in New York City on the 13th of July, way back in 1977, New York City experienced a 25-hour blackout. Journalist Martin Gottlieb described the moment that the metropolis went black with these words. He said, it was an arson-scarred, drug-infested, economically challenged nadir of the city's history fact, at that time when the lights went out in New York City, a famous serial murderer, the son of Sam, was still on the lam. When the lights went out for 25 hours in New York City, 45 years ago, 1,600 businesses were ransacked, over 500 of New York's finest were injured, over 1,000 fires were set. But 1,900 years before the lights went out in New York City, we find The capital of the religious world experiencing a blackout of monumental proportions. As we read in the Gospel of John chapter 12, a blackout is coming to Jerusalem. In verse 32, Jesus has said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. In verse 33, he explains that he was saying this, signifying by what death he should die. He's clearly telling those who hear him of the crucifixion that will be required for our sins to be forgiven. And how do the inhabitants of Jerusalem respond? Verse 34, the Bible tells us, they said, we have heard out of the law that Christ abides forever. What are you talking about dying on a cross? What are you talking about death? We have expected an eternal kingdom, an eternal kingdom of righteousness. An eternal kingdom in which our Messiah will destroy all of Israel's enemies. We've expected this eternal Messiah. And you speak about the Son of Man being lifted up, and then they say this in the end of verse 34. Who is this Son of Man? Jesus is speaking of his death. He's speaking of the fact that he's the Messiah who will establish an eternal kingdom, but not in the way that they'd expected He speaks of His death upon the cross that will draw all men unto Himself, and they do the unthinkable. They cast His words back on Him. Who is this Son of Man? Well, Daniel had clearly spoken of the Son of Man, that the Son of Man is indeed the Messiah. So in verses 35 and verse 36, in response to those who have so adversely responded to Jesus, Jesus says, yet a little while, and the light is with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While you have light, believe in the light, that you may be the children of the light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. Some of the saddest words in the Gospel of John. He did hide himself from them. This, folks, is an unequaled blackout. It's a spiritual blackout. This is the time when the light of the world is setting and the people are going to be remaining in darkness. As we open to John chapter 12, we enter a spiritual blackout, darkness descending upon Jerusalem so many years ago. Darkness that descended as they rejected Jesus Christ, the light of the world, and that darkness continues to affect our world today. Why? Well, John chapter 3 and verse 19 makes it very clear men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. There's one word that comes up over and over again, beginning in verse 36 of John chapter 12. It's the word believe. You'll see it there in verse 36 why you have light believe. You'll see it again in verse 37, though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not. In verse 38, quoting from Isaiah, Lord, who hath believed our report? Verse 42, nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. In verse 43, and they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And Jesus cried, he that believeth on me, believeth, or believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. Again, in verse 46, I am come a light into the world, and whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. If any man hear my word and believe not, I judge him not. Over and over and over again, the sound of the word believe. Why? Because the wall that separates light from darkness is marked believe. The switch that turns on the light, allowing the darkness to be dispelled, is marked over the top of it, believe. In John chapter 12, we're introduced to three kinds of people. John chapter 12 introduces us to unbelievers, unbelievers who reject the light. That's verses 37 to 41. Then we're introduced to silent believers. Silent believers who recoil at the light, verses 42 and verse 43. And finally, true believers. True believers who rejoice in the light in verses 44 through 46. John chapter 12 is going to end with a stern warning of judgment. Judgment that will come upon all men, listen, who will not believe. I want you to notice with me in the text to which we've turned that unbelievers reject the light. The passage that we're looking at unravels A bit of the mystery of unbelief. Spiritual unbelief is often a mystery. Listen, spiritual unbelief is not always the absence of facts, though it may be that a person has never heard of the Creator God and how the Creator God sent His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into this world. They've never heard of the crucifixion that paid for our sins or the resurrection that proves that He's the Son of God with power. They've never heard, and so they do not believe. But often, unbelief is not an absence of facts. Often, unbelief is an unwillingness to accept the facts as they've been presented. And sadly, often, unbelief is quite illogical. As we look in the passage before us, the Spirit of God opens up our eyes to help us understand something of the mystery of unbelief. We discover in this passage that unbelief rejects miracles. Verse 37 Though he, speaking of Christ, had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. A few years back, a man who'd once been a rock musician turned to religion. His name was John Wimber. John Wimber wrote a book. His book was on the topic of power evangelism. He became the founder of the Vineyard Christian Fellowship. John Wimber very famously said I believe that people will come to Christ if they will see the miraculous. And absent the miraculous, they're never going to believe. And so we need to have miracles in our services. We need to have tongues and and healing and, and various sensational things happen so that people will believe. Well, folks, in verse 37, we realize that Jesus did many mighty miracles before them, and yet they believed not on him. The gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John give to us 36 of the Lord's miracles. The gospel of John provides seven of those miracles, speaking to us of the Lord turning water into wine in John chapter 2, telling us in John chapter 4 how Jesus healed the son of a noble man, telling us in John chapter 5 how he healed a man who for 38 years had waited at the pool of Siloam to be healed. In John chapter 6, how he fed the 5,000 at once. And in John chapter 6, how he stilled the sea and its waves. In John chapter 9, how he would healed a man who had been born blind and now he was seeing. And then we come to John chapter 11, the greatest miracle in the gospel of John. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And yet, as we come to the end of the gospel of John, we realize that John says there were many other things that Jesus did. The very last verse in the Gospel of John. Many other things that Jesus did. He says, if they should be written, every one of them, I suppose that even the world itself cannot contain the books that would be written. He did many, many miracles before them. Notice the words of verse 37. He'd done so many miracles before them. These were not private miracles. Miracles, these were public displays of his deity. Yet we come to verse 37 and it says, they believed not, literally, they were not believing on him. They were in a perpetual state of unbelief. Willful unbelief. Unbelief surrounded by knowledge. They had the facts, they saw the divinity and the deity of Christ. They saw the miracles and yet they were still unbelieving. John chapter 14, Jesus is going to say to his disciples as he gathers with them in the upper room, believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for my very work's sake. Yes, the miracles of Christ announced, proclaimed, displayed his deity, demonstrating that he is God, and he still speaks to his own disciples saying, believe me for my work's sake. Listen, friend let's make it practical today. If you're waiting for some kind of miracle to happen in order for you to believe, you'll wait too long. If you're waiting for God to send some special sunbeam on your shoulder so you know that the Spirit of God is speaking to you in that moment so that you'll come to believe, you'll wait too long. Don't wait for a miracle A miracle will not convince you if you're not convinced already of the claims of Christ, that he died in our place, that he was buried, and that he rose again. There's a danger today lurking about us, the danger of feeling-led religion. The danger of feeling-led religion is looking for some kind of spiritual zap to cause us to step over into a place of greater obedience and belief. No, friend, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Our faith is grounded in what God's Word has said. And if you've heard God's Word and not yet believed, would you today believe? Perhaps there are some who are saying, oh, if I could only have something that would convince me. Jesus spoke in Luke chapter 16 of the rich man. People have called him for many years Dives, which means rich, and Lazarus, and how that Dives in hell lifts up his eyes being in torments. And do you remember what he said? He said to Abraham, Abraham, have mercy, and send Lazarus to dip his finger in the water and quench my my tongue. I'm I'm tormented in this flame. Abraham says, no, that can't happen. Between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. And Divey's thinking about his five brothers who are still on earth. He cries out, Abraham, Abraham, if you'd send someone back from the dead for my five brothers so that they would believe. And Abraham responds, no, Even if one were to raise from the dead, they would not believe. Don't expect a miracle to cause an unbeliever to step over. It's the Word of God that has the power to cause you to step over. And God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Unbelief will reject miracles, and unbelief will reject revelation. Look again at verse 38, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake... Lord, who hath believed our report? He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 1, here in John chapter 12 and verse 38. Isaiah had cried out, having been a prophet of God and having served the Lord faithfully under the reign of many different kings, he cries out, Who hath believed our report? And we circle the word report there. He's speaking of the revelation that had been given by God through the prophets. And he looks around in his culture and he says, there are so very few that are coming to believe. Unbelief stubbornly rejects the revelation of God. What revelation? Unbelief rejects the revelation of God that we see every night when the stars are on display. The heavens are declaring the glory of God. Unbelief. Rejects the revelation of God every day when the sun is shining, for the affirmative is showing his handiwork. Unbelief rejects the conscience that he's placed within us, for Ecclesiastes tells us he's placed eternity in our hearts. And unbelief rejects the Christ who displays God to us. Hebrews chapter 1 begins in verse 1, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spoke unto us in times past by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by His Son. But unbelief rejects the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Unbelief rejects the revelation of God. Did you know that today in America, only 20% of the people living in our country, only 20% believe that the Bible is the literal Word of God? What's most disconcerting is the fact that just five years ago, 24% answered that they believed the Bible was the Word of God. As we see the numbers plummeting, we need to be reminded that unbelief will reject the revelation of God, and unbelief will reject God's power. And to whom, Isaiah 53 in verse 1 says, as it's being quoted here in verse 38, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Isaiah is crying out, is there no one who will see the strength of God's arm? Unbelief rejects the salvation that the power of God provides. Unbelief is like the person who's out in the waters flailing and drowning. When a lifeguard guard comes and safety is offered and they turn away, the arm of God has been revealed, the strength of God to salvation has been offered, and unbelief pushes away. Verse 37, they believed not on him. They believed not on him. But look at verse 39, therefore they could not believe. Here we face a conundrum. They believe not, well you can't blame them because verse 39 says they could not believe. They believe not, but they could not believe. What's going on here? This is a problematic text for many people, so let's see the explanation that's given in verse 40. Verse 40 says, he, speaking of God, that blinded their eyes and hardened their heart. Again, he's quoting from Isaiah. That they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. Well, this is a problematic passage, Pastor Phelps. Is it saying that God has blinded people? Let's put it into its context. Remember, these people that are being spoken of are people who have seen the miracles of the Lord. They've heard the The marvelous message that Jesus has given, John has summarized it for us. John is often spoken of as the gospel of seven signs. It's also called the gospel of the seven sayings. In the gospel of John, Jesus introduces himself as the bread of life. He introduces himself as the light of the world. He introduces himself as the door, as the good shepherd. He introduces himself as the resurrection of the life. He says he's the way, the truth, and the life, and finally in John 15, he introduces himself as the vine, and every one of those analogies, every one of those metaphors, he's trying to explain exactly who he is, that he's God, very God, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived without sin, that he's provided access to God, and yet they stubbornly are refusing, saying, you're not the Messiah. We expected that the Messiah would live forever. And who is this Son of Man? And in the midst of it, We read in verse 40 that God hardened their heart. They had refused the light. They had refused the light. They had refused the light. And now the light is going off and God hardens their hearts. There's a national and a personal application to verse 40. By way of national application, what's happening here in the Gospel of John Well, what's happening here in the Gospel of John is found in John 1 and verse 11. He came unto his own speaking of Israel, and his own received him not. He's spoken to Israel, in fact, in John chapter 1 through John chapter 12. He's speaking to his own. He's speaking to Israel. He came unto his own, but we see something different that happens in John 13 and verse 1. Before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour was come, that he should depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own, he loved them unto the end. Now we have a different his own. From John chapter 13 to John chapter 21, the last nine chapters of the Gospel of John are dedicated to the ministry of the Lord with his disciples. The first 12 chapters to Israel. What happened? Who is this son of man? We expected a Messiah that would be eternal. They have hardened their hearts, and now God hardens their hearts. In fact, Romans chapter 11 says of Israel today that blindness has in part happened unto Israel. 2,000 years of blackout. 2,000 years of darkness. Praise the Lord, Romans 11 and verse 26 speaks of a day coming in which all Israel will be saved. Yes, there's a national application. From this time forward, Jesus hides himself from them. We read of that in verse 36. He hid himself from them. From this time forward, until he stands to be tried by the Sanhedrin, to be tried by Pilate, to be tried by Herod, from this time forward, he is no longer speaking publicly to the people of Israel. There's a national rejection. There's come a national rejection. Hardening. And there are times when the wise will ask the Lord, Lord, you've given to our land, the United States of America, so much, so many opportunities, so many revivals, so many preachers of God's Word, so much access to God's Word, so much freedom to worship, and we turn away and we turn away. Will there come a time of national hardening? Are we experiencing that now? I don't have the wisdom of God to give answer to that question. But I know throughout the pages of God's Word, there's an application nationally. The nations that turn against the Lord, the Lord hardens their hearts. And there's an application personally. There are those who have heard the gospel and heard the gospel, and yet they reject the truth. And the more they reject the truth, the more they risk, and the more you risk something that's called the judicial hardening of God where they would not believe, and they would not believe, and now they could not believe because God judicially hardened their hearts. A number of years ago, H.A. Ironside was speaking on this text to a group of children. Dr. Ironside, who for many years was the pastor of the Moody Church in Chicago, a great Bible teacher, was in San Francisco, California, teaching children about this passage that we're looking at today. And he said to this group of children, Every time you hear the gospel and turn away, every time you say no to the Lord, your heart gets a little bit harder and a little bit harder. And if you keep turning away, someday your heart will become like a stone. A little five-year-old girl, bright-eyed girl, was sitting there listening to Dr. Ironside as he spoke about this mystery of the hardening of the heart, the judicial work of God. She walked home with her mother that day. She didn't say a word the whole way home. When she arrived home, she saw that her daddy was sitting in his easy chair. He was reading the newspaper and smoking his cigar. She ran right over to her daddy, and she jumped up into his his lap, and she said, Daddy, Daddy, is your heart hard today? Feel it, feel it. Can you feel a stone in your stomach, Daddy? Can you feel a stone in your stomach? He said, What are you talking about? The little girl said to her daddy, Daddy, the preacher told us today that your heart can become hard as a stone and then you can't be saved. (laughs) The man looked at his wife and said, what in the world are they teaching at the church you're going to? And she explained, it's true. Every time you say no to the Lord, your heart gets a little harder. There can come a time that your heart can be completely hardened. And praise the Lord, that man that morning got down on his knees by that chair and trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. He came to know the blessing of not hardening his heart. Isaiah 55 says in verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Draw unto him, call upon him while he's near. Remember the invitation that the Lord gave in verse 36. What was it he said? While you have light, believe in the light, that you may be the children of the light. There's a great deceiver. Satan likes to whisper, you got plenty of time. You've got plenty of time not today. Not today. Some think they'll always have another chance. It's not true. There are some who even think this way. I've had conversations with them. Hey, you know what? If the rapture happens and this church is all empty and all I'm looking at is a bunch of empty clothes, I'm going to get on my knees right then and I'm going to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior right then. Be careful. Be careful. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 speaks of those who have heard the truth before the rapture and and the Bible says God will send upon them a a heart of of deception that they'll believe a lie. He's talking about this judicial judicial hardening of the heart. Don't take for granted that you can turn to the Lord at any time, but the Lord is speaking to your heart today about the need of salvation. Don't wait. The songwriter so wisely said someday you'll hear God's final call of grace you'll have no chance your footsteps to retrace this could be it my friend and doom you'll face God's final call this is the day that the lights went off in Jerusalem there was a group there of unbelievers they'd rejected the miracles they'd rejected the revelation they'd rejected the power of God and a spiritual blackout falls upon them Jesus would hide himself from them and speak to them no longer In this crowd that we read of in John chapter 12, there were not only those who rejected the light. There were silent believers who were recoiling from the light. We read beginning in verse 42, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. How sad. Verse 42 Many believed, but they did not confess. They were silent believers. What caused their silence? Well, clearly they feared being ostracized, verse 42 tells us. Among the chief rulers, many believed, but because of the Pharisees, they would not confess, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Thank the Lord we have the story in John chapter 3 of a silent believer by the name of Rabbi Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by night, and he began his conversation by saying, we know that you're sent from God, for no one can speak as you speak except God sent him. Nicodemus at that time in his life preferred the shadows rather than standing in the sunshine with Jesus. The Bible tells us that the end of the Gospels of two rabbis, Nicodemus, the one who came to Jesus by night, and Joseph of Arimathea, how those two stepped out of the shadows and stepped up and requested the body of the Lord. But in the passage before us, there are many who are believing, but were silent. Be careful, friend. If the claims of the gospel have struck your heart and you believe that Jesus is God, if you believe that he died in your place and the only way to heaven is through him and you've not trusted in him, you need to step out of the shadows and not be a silent believer any longer. Jesus, after all, said, Whosoever therefore will confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whoever will deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father which is in heaven. Some feared being ostracized. Others were focusing more on having the praise of men than having the praise of God. Verse 43, they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. They sought acceptance, they sought honor, They wanted to be a somebody. They wanted to be esteemed. The Word of God says, set your affection on the things above and not on the things of the earth. We are promised in the epistle that's written to Timothy, if you suffer, you will reign with him. If you deny him, he will deny you. Don't sell your soul for the compliment of a friend or even a stranger. These silent disciples, stayed silent. Yes, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea would step out of the shadows, but all the time of fellowship with the Savior that had been lost. Yes, they would enjoy seeing him again after his resurrection, but all the opportunity to bring their friends to Christ to know the one true God. Are you a silent believer? Have you told others of your love for the Lord? The ancient poet said, Jesus, shall it ever be a mortal man ashamed of thee? ashamed of Thee whom angels praise, whose glory shine through endless days. Till then, nor is my boasting vain, till then I boast a Savior slain. And oh, may this my glory be, that Christ is not ashamed of me. In the crowd there were unbelievers. In the crowd there were silent believers. In the crowd on the day that the lights went off in Jerusalem, there were true believers who came to rejoice in the light. The final verses of John chapter 12 provide for us really a condensation of the, of the message that Jesus Christ has been sharing over and over and over again, a summary, if you will, of the message of the gospel. So let's read it very carefully and see what we can discover. Verse 44, Jesus cried and said, he that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I'm coming, come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Notice, a person believes in God only by believing in Jesus. Verse 44, he that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. Jesus is declaring his deity. He's declaring his equality with the Father. He's saying that those who believe on him believe in God, and those who do not believe in him do not believe in God, not the true God, not the Creator God. A number of years ago, I was Meeting with a a Hindu man, seeking to share with him the gospel. He said something very perceptive. He said this The Hindu religion, with its million gods, is like a buffet. I can go through the buffet and I can take on my plate so many different flavors. He said, Your Christianity is not a buffet. Your Christianity is only Christ, He's the only God you worship. I could have jumped out of my seat and said, Amen. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Unfortunately, there are those who have not yet understood that Jesus said, I am the way. That's exclusive. I am the truth. That's exclusive. I am the life. And he said, And no man comes to the Father but by me. There's no other way to heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I had a conversation a number of years ago with a man who said this to me He said, You know, religion's like a wheel the hub is God, and on the outside of the wheel, but there are spokes, and every different religion is just a spoke to get to God. No, the Word of God declares, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus says in John chapter 10, Verily, verily, I say to you, he that entereth not by the door to the sheepfold but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber The message of the gospel is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. As we look in this text, there are believers who understand that a person sees God only by seeing Jesus. There's no other way to see God. In verse 45, we read, and he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. Jesus is the exclusive revelator of God. No one sees God except through him. In John chapter 14, Philip is going to be asking Show us the Father and it suffices us. And Jesus is going to answer, Philip, have I been so long a time with you and you do not know me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is telling us here that a person is delivered from darkness only through him. In verse 46, I am come a light into the world. That Whoever believes on me should not abide in darkness. Jesus, only Jesus is the light of the world. And only Jesus is the light of eternity The book of the Revelation, chapter 21, tells us there's a day that the sun is going out, but Jesus the Lamb is going to be the light of the heavenly city. Jesus is the one who delivers us from darkness, that we can walk in the light as He is the light and have fellowship one with another. And a person escapes judgment only by believing in Jesus. Look at verse 47. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. I'm not come to judge the world, but to save the world. This is true of his first coming. He didn't come as a judge, he came as a lamb. He didn't come as a conqueror, he came as a sacrifice. But in his second coming, he comes not as a lamb, but as a lion, and he comes to conquer and to rule. And so as he says, I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me, watch it, and receiveth not my words, hath one that judges him. The word that I've spoken the same shall judge him in the last day. His word being truth, those who receive his word can have everlasting life. Those who reject his word will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on them. Back in 1969, in past Christian Mississippi, a group of people were preparing for a hurricane. They were not preparing by putting shutters on the window and making sure there was gas in their car. They were Instead, having a hurricane party, the storm that was coming in 1969 was named Camille. The people there in past Christian Mississippi were staying in the Richelieu apartments as the police chief, Jerry Peritol, came to the apartments that day so long ago. He looked up on the balcony, and he saw people having a party, and he warned them, hey, listen, the storm's coming. You got to get out right now. One of the partiers with a drink in his hand and others laughing nearby said, hey, listen, I own this property. The only way you're taking me out of this property is you arrest me and, and haul me out. 20 people stayed, but the, the police officer wisely said, give me your names because the storm is coming. And when the storm comes through, I want to be able to, to contact your next of kin if I need to. So then I gave their names, laughing and partying all the while. What they didn't realize is shortly afterwards, A storm with 205-mile-an-hour winds that made raindrops become bullets hit that place. That whole place was destroyed. All 20 of those people in that place died. Paratel didn't arrest anyone that day, but he'd given them a warning, a fair warning that they needed to leave. And At 10.15 that evening when the storm came, no one survived the storm that was in the Richelieu apartments. They all were washed away. They'd become their own worst enemies. They'd heard warning after warning after warning, and yet they were hardened toward the warning. Spiritually speaking, do you realize that you can become your own worst enemy? I've heard it. I've heard it, Pastor. I've heard it. But have you believed it? What's belief? It's understanding that Jesus Christ has accomplished all that's necessary for your salvation, it's placing your full trust in Jesus Christ. It's depending on Him for your salvation. Not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to His mercy, He saves us. Someday the lights are going to go out in the world. Where will you be when the blackout comes? Will you be walking in the light as He is in the light, having fellowship with Him? Have you placed your dependence in Jesus and Jesus alone? Some say, Well, I'd like to have a miracle. Don't depend on a miracle. The miracles didn't persuade the gathering of people who were around. The bu- I'd like to hear more. Friend, if you've heard John 3.16, you've heard enough. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Put your dependence upon Christ and put your dependence upon Christ today. Will you receive the arm of his power this morning and accept the offer of salvation that he gives? Or are you a silent disciple, huddling in the shadows, Thankful for what you know, but not realizing that you're missing out on the great blessing of having fellowship with Him, being able to bring others to Him. Dear friend, this morning, realize that there is one way to salvation Jesus is the only way. This podcast has been a ministry of Colonial Hills Baptist Church, a church home for all people. If what you've heard has been an encouragement to you, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with Colonial or find more resources, you can find us online at colonialindy.org. You can also check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on the Colonial Hills Podcast.